0: build high build wide your prison wall that there be room enough for all who hold you in contempt build wide that all the land be locked inside
1: Jim, Jim, when you get the news story the effect that this man belongs the, to this uh, communist front organization I will tell you you that he belonged to Will you get the the citations, uh, what are the citations, showing that this was the legal arm of the Communist Party and the length of time that he belonged, the fact that he was recommended to Mr. Welch?
2: It's arguable that for a period of almost four years, from 1950 to 1954, the authority of two presidents was usurped and the office itself eclipsed ...by one man, a junior senator from the state of Wisconsin. During that period, Joseph McCarthy succeeded in apparently paralysing the spirit of the U.S. government. A variety of factors conspired to assist a crusade which had more to do with self-advertisement... ...than with its avowed aim, the elimination of communism from the federal government. An early insight into the character of the man can be gained from a study of his political origins. William V. Shannon recalls McCarthy's first major successful political campaign...
3: Uh, Well, he was um, uh, nominated uh, for the uh, Senate by the Republicans in Wisconsin in 1946 in a big upset. Uh, Wisconsin traditionally has been, in the 20th century, uh, one of America's most progressive states. And uh, uh, there were, uh, for two generations, uh, senators by the name of La Follette and uh, they had founded their own party, the Progressive Party. Well, in 1946, um, Senator Robert M. La Follette, Jr., uh, who had been a senator for 21 years, decided to fold up the Progressive Party, rejoin the Republicans, and it was thought that his nomination would be routine, but instead, in in a small vote, there was a small turnout of voters, uh, McCarthy defeated him by, I think, 5,000 votes and this was a big upset, but it was also critical in that getting the Republican nomination was easy to win in November because at that time the Democratic Party in Wisconsin was very weak. It's now quite powerful, but in those days it was very weak, so that if you got the Republican nomination that was tantamount to winning the seat, which he did very easily.
2: It's ironic, considering his subsequent career, that McCarthy owed the Republican nomination, at least in part, to the efforts of the Wisconsin section of the American Communist Party.
3: The Communists were influential in uh, a major union in Milwaukee, and they were opposed to Senator La Follette, because he was a strong critic of uh, the Soviet Union's expansionist policy after World War II, what was at the very beginning of the Cold War. And so they uh, decided to uh, try to defeat him, and such support as they had, they gave to McCarthy. Now, they were not, in absolute terms, a major influence, but since he won so narrowly, uh, it could be said that the small support they did have uh, made the difference.
2: McCarthy's first years in the Senate were less than inspiring. Uh,
3: He was an undistinguished uh, backbencher. Uh, The um, important Uh, issue uh, in domestic affairs in the period 1947 to 1950 where the important issues were inflation and the housing shortage. And he was on the Senate uh, Banking Committee, I believe, which dealt with the housing shortage, and he was regarded as not a very serious senator, and one who tended to speak up for special interests, particularly in the housing field, housing promoters of one kind or another. So he was um, not regarded as a heavyweight.
2: His lacklustre Senate performance meant that his re-election prospects for 1952 were not promising. Not, that is, until February 9th, 1950, when in the town of Wheeling, West Virginia, Joseph McCarthy discovered communism. He announced to a delighted audience that he held in his hand a list of 205 known communists who were working and shaping policy in the State Department. When the media began to treat his charges seriously, he retreated somewhat and began to dispute his own figures. The following night, he spoke to a reporter in Salt Lake City.
1: Well, last night I discussed the communists in the State Department. I uh, uh, stated that I had the names of 57 card-carrying members of the Communist Party. I noticed today that the the State Department has denied that. They say they don't know of a single one in the State Department. Now, I want to tell the Secretary of State this. If he wants to call me tonight at the Utah Hotel... I'll be glad to give him the names of those 57 card-carrying communists. I don't claim to be any FBI or anything, so that when I have the names of 57 you can be right well sure there are a lot more.
2: The confusion over the actual number didn't stop McCarthy from becoming big news. But why did the almost ritual allegations of an insignificant Republican senator grow and develop to such proportions? What sort of political atmosphere existed which propelled McCarthy from obscurity to notoriety? Joseph L. Rao was a liberal Washington lawyer who witnessed at first hand the hysterical anti-communism of the 1940s.
4: After World War II and the break with Russia, uh, we'd been Russia's ally during the war, but then after shortly after World War II, relations deteriorated fast, and the uh, well was poisoned pretty badly. The House Un-American Activities Committee, the Senate Internal Security Subcommittee, were going after people and calling them communists and, and they, they uh, when Joe McCarthy in February of 1950 uh, uh, charged that there were um, 200 or some communists in the State Department, he didn't really know what he was doing. He entered the communist fight after it was over. In other words, there was a communist fight in America. People ought to know about this. The communists had some real influence in the 30s and the 40s, and they almost captured the labor movement. They, uh, Walter Ruther stopped them from catching the labor movement. They were not a minor factor in the 30s and 40s. But when Joe McCarthy entered the fray in 1950, the liberals had and the labor people had beaten the communists and beaten them so bad they were no longer a force.
2: President Truman and Secretary of State Atchison saw an opportunity of using McCarthy to discredit some of their right-wing critics. They assumed that his case would quickly collapse and bring to an end the era of witch hunts. A Senate subcommittee was set up to investigate the charges. It was chaired by Senator Millard Tidings of Maryland, an austere and conservative Southern Democrat. Their report on McCarthy's accusations was scathing and dismissive, yet his progress did not falter. How did he avoid total humiliation?
3: By denouncing Senator Tidings and the committee as partisan, and as refusing to look at his evidence. Uh, He had no evidence, but uh, uh, he made it into a partisan issue. And then by great good fortune from his point of view, um, the the report came out about June of 1950, and the following uh, autumn was the midterm elections for the Senate, which went uh, rather badly for the Democrats.
2: In the course of the hearings, McCarthy offered three prominent names for consideration as communists. They were John Stewart Service of the State Department, Philip Jessup, a former US ambassador at large, and thirdly, Owen Lattimore of Johns Hopkins University, a State Department consultant.
3: He was attacked uh, during the uh, tidings hearings in the spring of 1950 by McCarthy as the number one Soviet espionage agent in the United States. Which he almost surely was not, <laughs> and uh, had never even heard of Owen Lattimore outside of uh, the small circle of academic people interested in the Far East. Now, um, Owen Lattimore had uh, views that uh, would be cons- might be characterized as uh, left-wing and as sympathetic in some ways to um, uh, to certain causes that could be uh, uh, criticized as uh, soft on. Uh, uh, communism, to use that sort of McCarthyite uh, formulation. But he was not uh, a communist, uh, at least no one ever proved he was a communist, and he certainly so far no one ever proved he was an espionage agent. But, that, but uh, McCarthy followed uh, Joseph Goebbels technique, which is if a small lie doesn't work out, uh, don't retract, uh, tell a bigger one.
4: Jack Service was our number one China hand. He was a friend of Mao's. He was a friend of uh, of Joe uh, Enlai. And he would report back the truth that they were going to beat Chiang Kai-shek's ears off, which they did. Joe McCarthy treated honest reporting as communist leanings and uh, uh, petrified Atchison into firing him. I always thought that this business of treating Atchison as a very wonderful stand-up to Joe McCarthy's nonsense. Atchison caved in on the most important joe mccarthy issue a matter of fact jack was i suppose jack service was his first uh, victim
1: i think at times we should have hit much harder i think we understated the number of cases take for example in the jessup case originally i said uh, jessup was unfit to serve because he had too great an affinity for communist causes that was the greatest understatement that i've ever made senator <coughs> it's been said that our secretary of state's yeah. actions and the signing of the Japanese Peace Treaty indicated a very anti-Russian stand. Do you feel that there's been any change in the State Department since you first began your attacks on communists in the State Department? Mr. Sattel, but I don't think they can change any more than a leopard can change his spots. The momentum of their past acts, I believe, carries them onward. I think you can perhaps best describe them in the words that Shakespeare put in the mouth of Macbeth when he said, uh, I am in blood stuck in so far that to wait no more is as tedious as go
2: on. McCarthy brushed aside the Tidings Committee findings, but the condemnation rankled. Tidings was up for re-election in 1950, his return to office apparently assured. But then McCarthy entered the campaign in an attempt to avenge his humiliation and unseat the incumbent Democrat. Max McCarthy, journalist and former Democratic congressman, remembers the campaign.
5: He helped defeat Senator Tidings by... A very vicious trick. He had some photographers uh, make a composite picture of Senator Tidings of Maryland uh, with the then head of the Communist Party in the United States, Earl Browder, and it looked as though uh, they were in close conversation and so forth. That picture was printed, and it definitely contributed
3: to the defeat of uh, Senator Tidings. The defeat of Senator Tidings in Maryland could be said to be at least partly attributable to McCarthy's intervention uh, because McCarthy did campaign there and um, the the winning Republican candidate did endorse McCarthy's position on the Tidings Committee report and attack Tidings over that issue. So to some extent that election was a referendum on McCarthy Tidings Uh, had been in the Senate for 24 years and was overconfident. He was, uh, uh, although he was right on the McCarthy issue, he could be in other ways a very arrogant man and he took his reelection too much for granted and McCarthy campaigned against him and Tidings lost. And the effect of uh, Tidings defeat was far more significant than the loss of just one seat to an unknown Republican named John Marshall Butler. Uh, It was that all the other major Southern Democratic chairmen, all old-line conservatives, who were very powerful in the Senate of that day and that period, uh, Millard Tidings had been their colleague for a quarter of a century, and they were stunned that Millard should be defeated. And if it could happen to him, it could happen to any one of them. So they all pulled in their horns. And refused to oppose McCarthy after that for the next four years and that's one reason why the next four years he, until they recovered their nerve he had rather a free run.
2: On television in 1951 McCarthy was modest about his part in the defeat of Tidings while predicting the downfall of yet another intractable opponent Senator Benton of Connecticut who'd had the temerity to introduce a resolution proposing McCarthy's expulsion from the Senate
1: is the man who defeated Senator Tidings, not not McCarthy. Senator, how about uh, Senator Benton in Connecticut? Are you planning Mm -hmm. any action against Senator Benton, such as you took against Senator Tidings? I think think it'll be unnecessary. Little Willie Benton, Connecticut's mental midget, keeps on. Uh, It'll be unnecessary for me or anyone else to do any campaigning against him. He's doing his campaigning against himself. (laughs)
2: McCarthy did campaign in 1952 against Benton, and Benton was defeated. McCarthy himself also won in Wisconsin. These factors, and the defeat of tidings in 1950, signalled the birth of the McCarthy myth. He was seen, probably erroneously, as the key element in the defeats. Joe McCarthy was now the spokesman for the ordinary American who was exposing the crimes of eastern establishment intellectuals. He was the underdog who could bring even the powerful to their retribution. This mentality is reflected in a response to a question about his re-election prospects for 1952.
1: Yes, I I assume, uh, Mr. Huey, that it'll be a very, very vicious campaign. In fact, it started already. The opposition has put out some 500,000 pamphlets, typical smear pamphlets. Uh, Drew Pearson uh, and his man are getting out a book which I understand they intend to entitle The Hairy Ape. That's me. (laughs) Uh, uh, The usual party-line smear attack and that'll go down the line. They'll they'll spend a vast fortune in Wisconsin, uh, trying to defeat McCarthy.
6: McCarthy's
2: re-election was not really in doubt. 1951 had been a very good year for him. He'd been appointed to Senator McCarran's internal security subcommittee. McCarthy was granted every facility and was now more dangerous than ever because he was on the offensive and no longer under examination himself. In late 1951 he made this ominous and prophetic statement.
1: I happen to be the ranking Republican member of the investigating committee, which means that if the Republicans should take the Senate, that McCarthy will be head of that investigating committee. i going to have the power, which I've never had before, and that is to subpoena the records, bring witnesses in and cross-examine them and get to the truth of many of these unusual situations. The McCarran committee now uh, is doing everything that could be desired of any investigating committee. Uh, it's the first clean breath of fresh air we've had from Washington. Uh, first indication that we may be able to get this fight against Communism out of the, uh, away from politics. That committee is composed of four Democrats, three Republicans, and almost to a man, there are Americans first, Democrats and Republicans second. While that committee is operating as it is now operating, there really is no necessity for another committee.
2: 1952 was Eisenhower's year. McCarthy played his part in the Republican victory, but his electoral impact was wildly exaggerated. Nonetheless, the McCarthy myth grew he had won the election for Eisenhower. In fact, the reverse was near the truth, but party bosses, such as Senator Stiles Bridges, the ranking Senate Republican, recognised McCarthy's potential value. Before the elections, he was asked if McCarthy's support would be a valuable asset to other Republican candidates.
1: I think that it will, because I think people, to most people in the country, McCarthy, whether they agree with all of his methods, or all that he said, uh, they agree that uh, McCarthy is sort of a symbol of action and people want action in eliminating the bad influences, the subversives from the government of the United well, States. Now, specifically, of course, sir, you're interested in electing Republicans to the United States Senate. Now, uh, do you think that McCarthy can be useful outside Wisconsin in the election of Republicans to the Senate? Yes, I think he'd be an asset in any state, the Union. Well, where we have a Republican county. Is there any place where he isn't welcome? I think the only state that I've heard of, in particularly, was a statement coming out of Connecticut recently, where one of the candidates for the Senate in that state indicated that uh, he didn't intend to make use of Senator McCarthy. You regard that as a tactical error on the part of the Republicans in Connecticut? Uh, I do, yes. Would it be a similar tactical error for Eisenhower to continue to ignore him? Well, I think Eisenhower, as our candidate, uh, must recognise the McCarthy victory there and uh, its significance and its magnitude. Is there any reason to believe he will? I rather think that he will, yes.
2: Eisenhower won and the Republicans gained control of the Senate. McCarthy's reward was the chairmanship of an investigative subcommittee which had wide powers to examine the activities of government at all levels. For the next two years, he became an even more disruptive force.
0: Oh, you. You've seized a valiant few Whose glory cast a shade on you How can you now go home with ease Jangling your heavy dungeon keys
2: McCarthy recruited a young staff, the most zealous of whom were two aspiring lawyers, Roy Cohn and David Shine. These two, along with McCarthy, focused their attention on the State Department once again, and in particular on its foreign propaganda adjunct, the International Information Agency. As part of the investigation, Cohn and Schein were sent around the IIA libraries in Europe to search for potentially subversive literature. At the time, Theodore Kagan was a senior executive in the IIA, based in Germany. He was unwise enough to make a cynical observation about Cohn and Schein and his past life provided the kind of ammunition which McCarthy could use.
7: I was suspect because in my youth, I had signed a, a nominating petition for a communist to get on the election board.
6: When was this discovered?
7: It was discovered back in the, in the 1940s, I think. It wasn't discovered. I told the FBI when I was investigated for clearance for my job.
2: Cohn was dispatched to investigate Kagan. Initially, he decided to dispense with the formality of questioning the object of his inquiries. Eventually, he was embarrassed by reporters into meeting Kagan in Bonn.
7: There, I made it clear that I wanted to come to Washington to face McCarthy and answer his charges. And I had asked the State Department to let me return, and I had had no answer.
6: Did you publicly oppose McCarthy or Cohn or Schein at any stage? I
7: opposed Cohn and Schein because they were making statements about me that I was a radical, I was a danger, based on no evidence at all. And when they made a statement like that in Berlin, I replied that I knew more more about anti-communism and had done more about anti-communism than those two junketeering gumshoes ever would know.
6: Did you get permission from the State Department to defend yourself in
7: Washington? In Washington, I did. They finally let me come back. So you faced Senator McCarthy? Yes. What was that like? Very interesting. McCarthy didn't even seem very dangerous. He seemed to be playing with the the case. Laughing a lot and making no, no dangerous statements.
6: What steps did he take? Uh, after the hearings? After the hearings, he dropped the whole thing. And what about your particular case?
7: He dropped the whole thing on the on the, uh, understanding that the State Department would get rid of me. Fire me or have me resign. And did they? Yes, they forced my resignation. And I, after that, he just didn't do anything. He stopped it. He stopped investigating the German program. The German program was the program I was responsible
6: for in Europe. Um, What was the aftermath of your resignation from the IIA?
7: I had a certain amount of trouble getting a job, because the country was worried about employing communists or reputed communists. And I couldn't get a job. For how long? About six or seven months, I think.
6: Do you think that you were on any kind of a blacklist?
7: Yes, I thought I was on a blacklist, but not necessarily formally. I was enough known so that people just said no. They were very nice to me, but no job.
6: Were you bitter about the way that you were treated by McCarthy?
7: No, not bitter. A little bitter about the way. My State Department colleagues had treated me. Why? Because they seemed to, to try to avoid me after I got to
4: Washington.
2: Kagan was one of McCarthy's successes. He used the same smear tactics against many others, in some cases using pretexts to rope in people from outside government whom he viewed as soft targets, although clearly exceeding his brief to the uninitiated he seemed to be delivering on his promises.
4: James Wexler, the very distinguished then uh, editor of the New York Post. He is older now, he's still on the Post, but he's no, not the editor. At that time, uh, McCarthy uh, used a rather obvious uh, tactic, but it uh, did help smear Wexler. Wexler was, had been in the Young Communist League. He was very honest about it. He told everybody. He was an anti-communist and he told everybody it, uh, about the dangers of communism. And he'd been in the Young Communist League as a, uh, I think, when he was nineteen or twenty, and he'd broken cleanly and completely. Well, here McCarthy uh, got him up there, and he could smear him and say, "Well, you admit you were in the Young Communist." Yeah, he'd been admitting that for uh, twenty years. By the time Joe got him, or at least fifteen or so, then Joe would say, uh, "Ask him about editorials," and he would uh, uh, deny he was a communist. And Joe would say, "Well." You deny you were a communist? Isn't that a communist tactic to deny you're a communist? I mean, it was so um, uh, horrendous that only unintelligent people could bite for Joe. But after all, most people in this country don't have much experience in politics. They don't study these things. They don't think about them very much. They open the paper to the sports page. Joe had a simplistic way of making his opponents look bad. And he, even with a man as able as James Wexler, he was able to do that. Then he demanded uh, we- a list of Wexler's uh, companions in the uh, communist uh, movement when he was a, a, a child and said, well, you want to take the Fifth Amendment? Wexler didn't want to take the Fifth Amendment. Uh, he, uh, obviously, what Joe McCarthy wanted. He wanted everybody to take the Fifth Amendment because if you take the Fifth Amendment, why well, then you're guilty. Of course, everybody knows if you take the Fifth Amendment, you're, you're guilty. And so he was using that. And Wexler, in a, somewhat of a misunderstanding, did give him the names. And then a lot of people were down on, on Jimmy for a while. But uh, McCarthy's tricks there were to uh, ask questions, then take the response, which in Wexler's case, were clearly honest and complete, then take the response and then say, well, if you, were a, if you were a communist, that's the exact answer you'd give, wouldn't you? And Wexler would say no and try to explain. But you couldn't. That question was a declaration that was successful. When he would say, isn't that the answer that a communist would give? He had the guy uh, by the Of course a communist would, would say you weren't a communist, but of course so would a truthful American citizen say that.
2: Many of McCarthy's critics, though unconnected with government, found themselves facing his committee. As a result, attacks on his methods decreased. It took courageous men to oppose him. One such was Arthur Garfield Hayes of the American Civil Liberties Union.
8: I think he's the most dangerous man in the United States. I think Senator McCarthy is more dangerous to freedom in the United States than all the communists we have in this country. No, I think, he... think he's dangerous because without sufficient evidence, he's smearing a lot of respected and highly decent people. Well, do you think, Mr. Hayes, that there are communists in the State Department? Have they infiltrated our government? I don't think for a moment they've begun to infiltrate the government. I think there may be a few communists in the State Department, but they don't do any as much harm as a suspicion that's stirred up against the whole State Department by a man like McCarthy, and his ill and his followers. Well, what, what specific harm do you think Senator McCarthy has done? Well, I think when you smear men like Owen Lattimore and Philip Jessup, Jessup who's done a great job for the United Nations, and when you throw suspicion on men who've been in government service for years and make people doubt their own State Department, You do a great deal of harm because you stir up hate and suspicion and fear all over the United States. I think the most dangerous thing the Communists can do in the United States is stir up hate, suspicion, and fear. And I think anybody who aids them to do it is doing as bad a job as they are. Do you think that there is any ground for suspicion and fear among the people of the United States, sir? No reasonable ground. And I think that no man should be deprived of his reputation and his standing without a fair trial and a judgment according to Anglo-Saxon methods. But don't and not by the ravings of McCarthy, even though he has Congressional immunity. There never has been a more futile political movement in the United States than that of Communism. After 25 years, they can't get enough votes to keep their name in the ballot. This idea of finding a Communist stone under the bed seems to me all nonsense. And the result of the whole thing is that Americans now are so timid about expressing themselves that we've practically given up democratic methods and free speech. Nobody in this country dares what he su- dares to say anything that might suggest to anybody that he's an appeaser or a pro-Russian or anything else. The result is that we act as one, and even on controversial subjects, we don't find any debate in public life. Well, and as, as exactly. don't dare.
2: McCarthy also went after an apparently unlikely source of communist infiltration, the CIA, at that time under the directorship of Alan Dulles. William Colby from 1973 to 75 was himself director of that organisation but in the early 50s was a young lawyer who had been recruited into the agency after his service with its wartime predecessor, the OSS. At the time he was also a member of the American Civil Liberties Union. What was the purpose of McCarthy's attack on the CIA?
9: I think it was a, of a piece with his attack on the, the intellectuals, you might call it, the liberal intellectuals, and he found those uh, same qualities of academic uh, approach and, and uh, Eastern establishmentarianism. He found that in the CIA at the time. There's no question about it. It was there. And so he turned on that. Now, he was stopped by Alan Dulles, who stood up very bravely and uh, just said, no, it wouldn't happen. The OSS had had come pro-communists in it uh, during World War II. Uh, uh, but i don't think that we found anything of that nature in cia we stopped them before they got in
6: so effectively mccarthy was just using an issue
9: oh he was just uh, just using the issue to try to rally support for
6: his uh, his attempt to gain power among cia members at that time in the early days of the cia what was the attitude towards mccarthy
9: well I think you run through a fairly thorough spectrum you have people in CIA who are very conservative minded I mean uh, and would went in there in order to fight the totalitarianism of communism you also had others who were fairly liberal minded and academically inclined and so forth who would be concerned that uh, that the the uh, McCarthy approach is not the one to take
6: um, did McCarthy have any deleterious effect on morale within the CIA during the late four, well during the early fifties? I don't think so, particularly because I
9: think that the management stood up pretty well and uh, and stopped stopped any raid into it and penetration into it.
6: What exactly did Dulles do about
9: McCarthy? As I recall, he went to President Eisenhower and said that uh, he had to protect this agency from this sort of uh, irresponsible attack.
6: Um, Did the climate of opinion engendered by McCarthy uh, help the CIA in any way in its anti-communist activities at that time? No, I don't think so. Uh,
9: The CIA was felt as uh, to be an organization developed to fight the threat of communist uh, domination in the world and uh, of our allies. Um, The way it was doing it was secret that wasn't really known, and that was accepted—that everything had to be secret. That's different from today, of course, but uh, but at that time, it was felt just go out and do what was necessary and do it secretly. And the what McCarthy did about getting American opinion aroused about communism—I suppose you could say it uh, led to support of uh, of a of an anti-communist position. But at the same time, I think it it led to almost as much trouble in the other direction, in the, se- in the image that it gave of this irrational and, and uh, hard right-wing uh, anti-communism uh, without any positive content to his program at all.
6: As somebody with uh, a liberal pedigree at the time, would you have come under suspicion? I don't think so. I I
9: sent in my, my uh, resume, uh, Named all the organizations I'd belonged to, I had been in various uh, causes in the late 30s. Uh, I supported the Republic government of Spain. Uh, I was uh, involved in a couple of other uh, more or less New Dealish you might call them uh, causes then they were all you know no great problem It was pretty clear that I was a, a simple liberal and and our, the security people in CIA were they understood the difference between. Traitorous of pro-communism and uh, the end, liberal interest in American constitutional system, American democratic principles.
2: All this time, McCarthy was thriving on an atmosphere at times verging on hysteria, an atmosphere for which he was not entirely responsible. The American press was not above criticism in this regard. Their attitude towards him was ambivalent. His sweeping accusations were designed to grab headlines, but headlines sold copies. By and large, his initial charges at least went unchallenged and uninvestigated. Their newsworthiness alone seemed to be of paramount importance. Uh,
3: the press uh, treated him at first as hot news and uh, because he was making sensational charges. Uh, a few members of the press were intimidated by him because um, they worked for uh, news organizations like uh, um, like uh, news agencies, for example, uh, in which, um, uh, which cherish the reputation for total objectivity and impartiality. And so just to be accused by McCarthy of something and become, quote, controversial, unquote, was damaging to one's career. Uh, but generally, most reporters were able to uh, treat him Uh, without fear or favour and reported him objectively and he seemed at first to be new so they uh, played him up and he made sensational charges uh, and he was developing support so uh, their stories reflected that.
2: Such was McCarthy's power at that time that it was sufficient to intimidate even the most formidable press institutions. During the 1950s, Jesse Gordon was a journalist with the liberal periodical The Nation. His friend and colleague, Dan Gilmore, published a book called Fear the Accuser, which dealt with the alien and sedition laws of the late 18th century in the US, but which also drew some pointed parallels with the America of the 40s and 50s. But the New York Times refused to take an ad for the book and gave no reason for this action.
10: I then called John Oakes, editor of the editorial page, who was also a personal friend of mine. And as I say, you you never talk to an editor about advertising when I I presume there's an exception to every rule. And I had sent John Oakes a copy of this book because I know he's interested in civil liberties and the, the Alien Sedition Act, of what the book was about. And uh, it was the type of book he would be interested in. I just sent it to him. So I called John Oakes on the phone and I said to him, Why would the Times refuse an ad for fear of the accuser? And he said, Did they? And I said, Yes, they did. He said, What reason did they give? And I said, they won't give a reason. He said, they wouldn't give you a reason? I said, I insisted, but they won't give me a reason. He said, that's incredible. I said, I offered to change the copy, but they said they didn't want to add, period. He said, I have the book here on my desk. Let me look into it. I'll be in touch with you in a few days. Now, John Oakes, as I say, editor there, and uh, one of the main stockholders of the New York Times, and a nephew of Adolf Ochs, the pu- the famous publisher of the New York Times. He said to me after a few days, you're right, they don't want the ad. And I can't even do anything about it. They're a law unto themselves, the acceptability committee. But there's one thing I can do, and I can review the book. And he did. And he gave it a very good review. But the fear uh, that permeated... Uh, Even the New York Times Advertising Acceptability Committee, they wouldn't even take a harmless book. And John Oakes, the only way he could get it mentioned was by reviewing it. That shows you the extent uh, McCarthyism uh, prevailed throughout the United States.
2: This type of paranoia at times assumed farcical proportions.
5: Given the climate of hysteria at the time that I mentioned, where people were very concerned about this communist menace. Uh, they were inclined to believe almost anything. Uh, there was a famous case at the time of uh, a couple uh, sitting in a restaurant. And the, uh, the man said to the woman, uh, I think China is going to uh, fall, you know, to Mao Zedong. And somebody in the next booth uh, reported them. To the FBI said that they were talking communism. Uh, I remember when I entered politics, uh, the fellow I ran against, uh, who was a sitting congressman, had warned of the spread of communism at the South Pole and actually went there for an on the spot search for communists. And he found a large Russian whaling ship, which he said could be converted to military uses. I mean, that's the kind of <laughs> lunacy that was being peddled build high,
0: build wide your prison wall, Let there be room enough for all who hold you in contempt build wide that all